Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you're looking to retire early with forever passive income, you're in the right place. This podcast is the go-to destination for real estate investors, both active and passive, and multifamily apartment investors, both new, intermediate, and advanced. Now, sit back, listen, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey guys, welcome back to Accelerated Real Estate Investor with Josh Cantwell. I'm your host, and I'm really looking forward to having this discussion today with David Dodge. David is a excellent real estate investor coach focused today on the Burr Method based out of St. Louis, Missouri. He's done hundreds and hundreds of residential deals. He teaches investors specifically how to find discounted real estate deals. We all know, right? You make money when you buy properties. You realize the profits when you sell or cash flow. David has a fantastic podcast about finding discounted properties. So we're super excited to have him on the show. David, welcome to Accelerate. Hey, hey Josh. Thank you so much for having me, man. Really excited to be here today. Yeah, absolutely, man. So why don't you just tell our audience real quick about something that you're up to today, like something that you're working on right now that you're really excited about and what's kind of going on in your world in today's market? Yeah, absolutely. So the, I would say the biggest thing I'm, I'm working on right now is a Burr Method deal on a, on a small 23-unit apartment complex that we just bought a couple months back. So we, we've done a ton, of, a ton, a ton, a ton of single families, and we're, we're starting to pivot into more uh, smaller multis. We're not doing any type of syndication at this point yet, but I'm sure in the future we will. But this was just a small deal that we bought. It's 23 units. And we used uh, hard money to buy it. And about 70, eh, 60 to 70% of uh, hard money as well on top of the purchase to rehab it. We have a little bit of our own money invested in it, probably about 150000 of our own money invested in it. So of course, Burr, buy, rehab, rent. And then the next step would be in the next you know, maybe month or two, would be to take it to a bank and refinance out that hard money, hopefully refinance out all of our uh, investment that we're using to rehab that building. And the goal would be to acquire the asset with very little, ideally no money out of pocket in the end. Right. Love it. Love it. Love it. So you've done lots of residential stuff. I mean, you're an expert at it. You coach other people. Now though, the Burr method, long-term cash flow is really the goal. Help me understand, David, what are you seeing in today's market Obviously, people are talking about, hey, interest rates are going to go up and inventory is down. There's way more demand than there is available supply. What are you seeing? Because you're obviously actively building your Burr portfolio through single family and multifamily properties. How are you navigating the market and what are you seeing? That's a great question. So what we are seeing is low inventory. I'm sure everybody else is typically seeing that as well. Uh, the government's printing money like crazy. So we're going to be dealing with higher interest rates and inflation, which has pros and cons. You know, I'm not really looking, looking forward to the higher interest rates, but I am looking forward to the appreciation on the assets that I own currently. So there's, you know, of course, pros and cons to that. But, you know, having low inventory, 
a scarce amount of inventory definitely isn't helping find discounted properties. So our focus is is always to buy deals. It's always to try to capture at least at least 10 to 15% equity on the buy, ideally 20 to 30. But you know, in the today's market, that's becoming a little bit more difficult. So, you know, it's just one of these things where I am not going away. And mm-hmm. if the market conditions change, if the banking environment changes, then we're just gonna pivot and just, you know, do what we can to continue going. So my main focus is buy and hold. And we have about 60 single family homes and we have another 30 apartment units. That 23 unit that we're working is, is part of that 30. So we have about 90 units. So we're not definitely in the thousands like, like you by any means, but we do love the buy and hold game. And we do a couple fix and flips on the side. And then of course, we will wholesale the properties or the leads that come in that don't really fit our buy box. So we have our hands in a couple different strategies, but uh, Burr Method is my absolute favorite, Josh. Yeah, no doubt. So you mentioned inflation, right? So inflation generally is going to help with the asset value going up and the rent going up. And it also makes it easier to pay back the existing loans. And that's somewhat due to the increase in rent, right? But if the, if the dollar has, you know, it has a reduced purchasing power, then you're going to typically need to make more dollars to be able to buy the same goods. And, you know, some of the loans that we're doing right now on, on some of our single families, they're 30 year fixed to an LLC. And it's mm-hmm. amazing because, you know, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but over a five or 10 year period, it's going to be easier to pay back those loans. So yeah, hundred percent. No doubt. And how much David, like in a market like now where you're really the, the, the expectation of getting these bigger discounts, that that expectation has gotten thinner like you said, maybe a 10 to 15% discount versus 30 or 35%, you know, five years ago. How much are you thinking about, well, I might not be getting the discount up front, but my future value, because I'm going to buy and hold, my future value, because we're seeing appreciations of 10, 15, 20% in many, many markets. I'm going to make it up on the back end. I just maybe have to hold a little longer, which plays into your burn method, right? I can lock in the financing today, which is still historically very cheap. It really comes down to kind of being a little bit of a magician to figure out what is that future value going to be? What's that future rent going to be? How, how are you navigating that in your own mind when you're calculating your deals? That's a great question. I I don't like to speculate on you know where things are going too far out. I know that in the immediate future, we're going to see interest rates increase, right? So I look at all of that appreciation on the back end is kind of like icing on the cake. I know from historical, you know, from looking at the past and charts and just historically speaking that, you know, properties are typically going to increase typically somewhere between four and six and a half percent year over year. So again, to me, the appreciation is really more of an icing on the cake. Uh, When it comes to the Burr method, I want to leave as little money in the property as possible. So I am actively looking for essentially a 20% equity capture in the end, not necessarily on the purchase. We typically don't go to banks for purchases. You know, and yep. I know with the syndication, that's that's kind of the model. And I'm sure we've done that in the past, of course, right? But typically we use our banks, our credit unions, even some of these larger, you know, national hard money lenders that are offering 30-year fix now, uh, typically more so for the refi. So we're borrowing private and hard money to buy. We're borrowing private and hard money to rehab. 
Ideally, we don't use a dollar of our own money. Now, obviously, Perfect. sometimes we have to, but ideally, we don't use any of our own money. Get it rehab, get it rented, which which makes it an asset, and then from there, we're going to refinance. And you know, if we can be all in, all all, so purchase, rehab, closing costs, holding costs, uh, interest to the lenders at or below eighty percent, and the bank's going to give us eighty percent of what a property appraises for. That allows us to acquire the asset with you know no money in the end. But even if we have to leave a little money in, Josh, like you know, I think our average right now is about twelve hundred bucks that we yeah. move into a single family home. You know, after a couple months of cash flow, we're we we do not have any money in that investment, and the internal rate of return is infinite if you think about it. So yeah, love hopefully it. I answered that question. Yeah, for sure. What what are your thoughts on now that you're scaling into apartments and you've got this first one that you bought? Tell us about that because a lot of our audience that is a really good residential investor like you are, like an expert resi investor, intermediate to advanced, but they're interested in scaling into apartments. You've now successfully done that with a couple of deals. What were those first couple of deals like? Was there any kind of intimidation on your part? How did you find the deal? Has it been an easy pivot or a hard pivot? I think a lot of people want to know how do I make the pivot. So what were your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, that's that's a that's a fantastic question. So you know, again, I'm not going after 200 unit, 700 unit type plays. You know, I've I've done a, a bird deal on a 10 unit, and we actually ended up selling it a couple of years later just because it just made sense. And then I'm currently working on a 23 unit. I have a couple twos and fours in the mix here too, but for the most part, our brand is discount property investors. So like, we yeah. just cannot pay retail. It's just, it just ekes me. Right. And maybe uh-huh. as time goes on and there's more value add and force appreciation type plays, we'll be open to that. But right now, you know, I got to get a deal on a property and, you know, a 23 unit is not that much different than a single family in a way. I mean, it's obviously more units, right. But it's still just one property. It's still just one transaction. So making the pivot for us was like, we want to scale, but do we want to do we really want to own 600 single family homes like that is just a lot right love having the 60 that i have and i'd imagine my partner and i will continue to buy singles and scale that up to maybe 100 or even 150 but we don't want 600 we don't want 1500 so in order to get the door count up it just makes sense the thing is is again because we're not going after these massive ones at least today it's really not that much different. It's the traditional marketing methods of direct-to-seller marketing, which consists of primarily our own network and sphere. We do some direct mail. We drive for dollars and create lists. We have a little bit of... Uh, uh, we have some VAs and uh, some team members that will help us with some cold calling and some cold texting. I've done all the different types of marketing that you can think of other than television. I haven't done that one yet, but we've done billboards. We've done radio. We've done bandit signs. One of the things that we don't typically do, and again, we may down the road, but we don't typically buy properties on market. You know, and, and again, as we scale up, that may be the only option, right? But as of today and over the last seven, eight years that I've been full-time in, in real estate, I like to go direct to seller. I like to go direct to seller for various reasons. Uh, the main reason though is, is that I'm able to get a much bigger discount by going direct to seller. There's no agents or brokers that are going to need to get paid. And, you know, if I can build rapport and create a a good relationship with a seller and offer them convenience, you know, that's really all real estate investors do, in my opinion, you know, at at the highest level, 
is we trade convenience for discounts. That's mm-hmm. it, right? And it's, it's easier for me to find somebody that's going through some sort of distressed problem like death, divorce, disease, the three Ds, you know, that makes up a good percentage of, of, you know, what we're dealing with, but it could also be tired landlords, or it could be, you know, pre foreclosure, or it could be delinquent taxes or whatever the case is. But again, direct to seller marketing is typically how we find the deals that, that we're buying at this point. Got it. Love it. So like I'm thinking about my audience that people that are already doing apartments and I love the trade convenience for discounts. I've never heard it said that way before. I love that. And I was thinking about my own deals for a second. And the last couple that we bought, the one we just bought yesterday was on the market and we were battling with other buyers and a big private equity fund to get that one. But the deals we got before that were off market. Mm-hmm. Those went much easier, much smoother. We bought them at a lower basis, better deal. And they were truly, it was bought by a broker, but it was a pocket listing. So sure. it was still quote unquote off market, right? Yep. It, wasn't, it wasn't in front of 30 buyers at one time. Mm-hmm. And so that really is always the case, right? It doesn't matter if you're buying single family, multifamily, big apartments. And the question is, is you're going to do it yourself, go direct to seller. Or in my case, we focus on the brokers and the brokers are doing it because they're Mm -hmm. nurturing relationships with these apartment owners for sometimes three, five, 10 years. Yeah, a long time to get get that listing. Yeah, ready to sell. It's amazing, David. Just in the last couple, maybe two, three weeks, I've gotten a bunch of cold texts about houses that I own that people are asking for. How is that strategy? I'm asking because I've gotten several in my inbox, people mentioning, hey, I've got cash. I'm looking to add to my portfolio. I know it's kind of a cold text. I'm interested in replying to it. So it's obviously working. How how is your experience? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, skip tracing is something that has, you know, really blown up over the last couple of years, you know, and skip tracing is just basically you get a property address and you reverse engineer out who who the owner of it is. It could be a single family home, could be an apartment complex. And then how do I contact them? So, you know, skip tracing is basically just getting phone numbers and emails or or maybe even other addresses that, you know, you could use to contact and sending mail to those individuals or cold calling those individuals has, you know, been around for decades. Texting is relatively newer, not necessarily brand new, because I mean you can text as, as, you know, texting has been around since cell phones were were created, right? But what we've seen over the last couple of years is texting has really taken off. And you can one-off text somebody from your cell phone, or you can sign up for, you know, services that will allow you to kind of do it, not necessarily in bulk, it's still individually, but you could you can scale it up to where you're not just doing it from your cell phone. You can, you know, go get a list of property owners that have some sort of level of distress, vacant, absentee owned, high equity, whatever the case may be. And you can skip trace all those people in bulk and then you can send a lot of text messages to them. So that's that's definitely one of the ways that we go about marketing to find sellers. And we've probably bought, I'm guessing here, but 60 to 100 houses from contacting people via text message. So, right. you know, people can avoid a phone call and they can uh, they can obviously avoid a text message, but when you send them a text message, and the text messages that we send are pretty simple. They're just basically like, you know, hey, I'm looking for Josh. I believe Josh is the owner of this property over on one two three Main Street, and I'm interested in you know buying more properties in the area. If you have interest in selling, you know, respond to this message or give me a call. 
I mean, yeah. it's basically just like sending a postcard to them, but it's delivered instantly. And what we've seen is the response rates are are very high. You know, we're typically getting deliverability rates above 90% and we're getting response rates, you know, sometimes in the 30 to 50% range. Now, the responses aren't always happy and, oh, yes, we'll sell. And, oh, yes, we'll sell it at a big deal, a big discount. Uh, sometimes they are, no, I'm not interested or, you know, take me off the list. And, of course, we're going to respect those, those individuals. But I don't know about you, Josh. My preferred method of communication is text. Yeah. You know, I don't typically answer numbers from people that I don't have in my phone. If they leave a voicemail, I may or may not call them back. But if I get a text, I see it. I may not respond to it, but I see it. So, you know, what we've seen over the last, you know, couple of years is that strategy in and itself is uh, it's very effective. Love it. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. I love it. I definitely feel... Like if I got a postcard, I toss it out. If I get a phone message, like you said, I listen to it, maybe trash it. But the texts are sitting right there because I'm in my text all the time, texting investors, texting my staff, texting my wife, texting my friends, whatever. That just is sitting there right in the inbox. It's very hard to avoid, right? It's very hard to avoid. I don't have many many single family uh, properties left. I've sold most of them off, but I do have a couple and I'm interested in replying to see if they'll buy them. So we'll see. That's fantastic stuff. So David, I'm interested to hear about your start. Like when you got going, you've obviously been very successful. You're in the St. Louis, Missouri market and do some stuff outside of that market from time to time with your members and students, but you've really hunkered down. You've got, you know, almost a hundred units you've built now and you're going to scale up, but everybody starts somewhere. It's, oh, yeah. not, it's not always pretty. That's Tell us right. about your start. So my start's a little similar to yours in a way. I started at the age of 20 and I was in college and I bought a rental property. I went and found an agent and we looked on the MLS and found a property that was for sale and you know made an offer, got the offer accepted. And then I was like, uh-oh, now how am I going to pay for this thing? Right. So I walked into the bank and the bank said, hey, we'll give you 80%. And I didn't have the other 20%. So I borrowed it from friends and family and acquaintances. And, you know, paid them off over the next year or two. Uh, But I did house hacking just like you. So Mm -hmm. I bought a four bedroom house and I rented out three of the other bedrooms, lived for about a hundred bucks a month, you know, and I did that three times in college. So by the time I had exited college, I had three rentals and I bought all three of them as a house hacking play. I moved from one to the next. And, you know, I was buying these as primary residences because I was living in them, right, for a year. And then I just would move out and just rent out all the bedrooms instead of keep one for myself and just did that. So basically, you know, I started with house hacking and over the next seven years. So basically for the first 10 years of my investing career, I was passive. I was either in school or working for a sales and marketing job or company and or operating my own small businesses doing some sort of sales and marketing. So to not bore the audience here, long story short, first 10 years, very passive, 
put down 20% on every property I bought, and I was able to acquire 12 rental properties, all single families, over the first 10 years. And about seven, eight years ago, going on eight years, I went full-time at the age of 30. I'm 37, going to be 38 here soon. And uh, you know, I, I learned about direct-to-seller marketing. I learned about sending postcards to people and cold calling and door knocking. And, and basically, the, what I had learned is that I don't need to find an agent and go look on the MLS and pay full retail for a property. Instead, right. I can I can find people that have problems. You know, maybe it's maybe it's the house that's the problem. Maybe it's something else that's the problem. And oftentimes it's both. It's they have this problem house and they they have this problem in their life. And it's like, all right, cool. I can buy this property from you, and I can help you solve other problems in your life. So again, it goes back to me being able to provide convenience to people, and that's what I do. I look for problems and I provide convenience. But here's the thing. I don't ask for discounts, Josh. I demand them. I say, hey, if I'm going to help you with this problem, you got to give me a deal on this property. Like that's what I want. And what you want is to to solve a problem. So in order to create a winning scenario or a a win-win, we both need to feel like we're, we're getting value. So by me buying the property and offering convenience, that's me providing value and, and them saying, hey, you know, the property's worth 150, you know, we'll sell it to you for 110, 120. That to me is them providing value to me. So it's again goes back to convenience in exchange for a discount. So yeah, went full time about seven, going on eight years ago. Since then, my partner and I, we've done about 700 wholesale deals, we've done about 200 burr deals. And nice. to, to kind of wrap this up, at this point, my main focus is, is burr. I love being able to acquire rental properties with little to no money. I love helping other people learn about about this strategy and teaching and mentoring and coaching them and basically showing them that rental properties and real estate can create passive income or cash flow, which allows you to make money while you sleep, which is pretty rare. You can't really typically do that at your day job. And that the cash flow will inevitably create financial freedom. But financial freedom isn't typically the goal. Most people think it is. And we talked about this, you know, before the episode started here, but you know, typically the goal is time freedom, but how do you accomplish right. time freedom? How do you do that? And the best way to do it is, is to not have to have to go trade your time for money. So financial freedom is really the first step, which then leads to having time freedom, which allows you to go do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Right, right. Love it. David, now that you've accomplished that, you've, you know, 700 wholesale deals is amazing. 200 bird deals is amazing. Scaling into apartments is amazing. There's probably some things you would do differently or things that you did right that you don't want to forget. Yeah. What would you tell your younger former self? What would you tell our audience? What are the things you got right? What are the things that you would repeat and keep doing? And what are some mistakes that you made along the way that you would tell our audience, hey, let's let's avoid those? What are yeah, your definitely. So what did I get right? I, I got right by starting early. Even though I don't, I look back saying, hey, I did it wrong for 10 years. Like start here. You guys have probably heard the saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. And I am so grateful that I did, even though I was doing it. I like to refer to it as the wrong way by actually having to put money down. So that was one of the things that, you know, I'm very blessed and grateful that I did when I was so young. And I still own some of the properties that I bought in my early 20s. And they have massive amounts of, of equity and they, they spit off great cash flow. So all that's really, really good. One of the things that I would say that I did wrong was 
you know, when I first started at the age of 30 at, at full time, right, I'd already been investing for 10 years at that point, but it was very slow was I got blindsided or that's the wrong word. I got caught up in the shiny object of wholesaling. And I had basically spent three to three and a half years of doing nothing but that. So I, I lost I lost track of why I got into real estate, which was I, I wanted to make thing. money while I sleep. I wanted this passive income, this cash flow. And I didn't buy a rental for the next three, three and a half years. So, you know, one piece of advice is, is figure out what your goal is and then stick to that. Don't let these shiny objects pull you away from that. So there's one thing I did, you know, right. One thing I, I didn't do right. And then there was a third question that you had there too. What was that? Well, let me hunker down on what you just said. I think yeah, what sure. you did do right in you eventually married up the two strategies. I did. Yes. Right? Yes. Married up the two strategies. So there is no, like as Joseph McClendon, Tony Robbins' partner would say, there's no winners and losers. There's only winners and learners. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. learned where you bought those properties early, started young, mm-hmm. and those Burr properties have worked out well. Then you got into wholesaling, did that for three, three and a half years, but didn't keep anything. Today, you're doing both, right? You're wholesaling for kind of quick cash, wholesaling for cash now, mm-hmm. and then investing the profits into the Burr method, the cash flow deals. I encourage people, whether they're in an e-commerce business, whether they're a highly compensated doctor, whether they're, they own a business, they're in sales, whatever they do, they have whatever they do to make fees or make upfront money that pays the bills and then invest the difference, invest the leftover profit into real estate for cash flow. Like if you're in real estate full time, then you could wholesale for cash. That's kind of like the W2 job, if you will, to try to make a comparison and then take the profits and put them into real estate long-term, whether you invest in a syndication, you're a passive investor, you buy rentals of your own, whatever that is. Okay. Because you kind of need the upfront money, right? To pay the bills today. And I think what David did right is he he did one, then he did the other, then he married the two up, mm-hmm. and now he's continuing to grow it. There is no right or wrong. <laughs> yeah, the lesson that I learned, Josh, was you know, you know I wasn't doing the Burr method on those first. So at the end of ten years, I had twelve rentals. Right, and, I, and then looking back, like I'm grateful that I was able to do that and that I didn't stop. But I was buying properties at what they appraised for. So no matter what, banks are going to lend 80% of what it appraises for and or what your purchase is. And if those two things, the purchase and the appraisal are the same number or very close, you're going to have to have 20% down, period. So I look back like, hey, that was great, but I did it wrong because I was putting down 20%. So I learned a bunch of lessons and and a bunch of skills by wholesaling full-time for several years. But the main lesson or the main skill I learned was buying deals. I mean, that's it. It was that simple. So then when I, whenever I woke up one day and I was like, man, I'm on this transaction treadmill, you know, like it's good, but it's not great. And I'm like, ever after I do a deal, I'm constantly circling back to the fact that I got to continue marketing and find that next deal. So I was like, you know what? I started with rentals. I got completely blinded by these shiny objects of wholesaling. Let's bring it back. So now I had this new skill of finding deals. And the Burr method is such an amazing strategy because now instead of putting down 20%, I can earn my 20%. 
It's instead of going to the bank, and I mentioned this before, but instead of going to the bank and asking for a loan, I'm getting loans from private and hard money lenders to buy the property. So the property is purchased and it's owned by me or my entity, but I now have a private or hard money debt on it. Then I'll fix the property up and force appreciation. Ideally, I'm getting a you know 15 or 20% equity capture on the buy, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. And then I'll gain a little bit more equity by forcing appreciation and fixing those properties up. I'll get them rented. And then what I'm doing differently now is, is what the Burr method allows me to do is it allows me to go get a refinance. But now I'm getting, I'm still getting a loan at 80% of what it appraises for, but I'm not paying that. I'm not all in at that same number. I'm all in at you know 70, 75, or 80% of what it appraises at. And the bank says, hey, we're going to give you an 80% loan on the appraisal. So there's still 20%. I'm just not having to put it down. I'm, I'm able to earn that 20%. And right. then when we go to refinance, we pay back all of the lenders and their interest and all the holding and closing costs. And what it does is it allows me to acquire the asset just like I did in the beginning. But I am using this strategy, this method to gain that 20% versus having to go borrow it or save it and put it down. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Even though you said it was something you did wrong, the shiny object, you only said that because you're like, I didn't keep them all, right? But what you did right was you really learned the skill of buying properties at a discount. Yeah, I learned the skill of marketing and direct to seller and negotiating and you know running comps and determining repairs and all of those lessons and and things that I learned helped me tremendously. And really, also, it was a great confidence booster. You know, you go do a couple wholesale deals and you're like, man, this isn't that hard at the end of the day. I can do this. And, you know, I tell this to all my students, Josh, you know, if you pay retail for a property, your short-term exits are going to be tough, Mm -hmm. right? Because you don't have any equity or any wealth that's been created out of the gate, right? But if you buy a property at a 20 or 30 or 50% discount, you can wholesale that really easy. You can fix it up and flip it for a profit really easy. In fact, you can make a bunch of mistakes if you get a good deal on it and still make a profit. And if you want to acquire it as a rental and use the Burr method, you can do so with little to ideally no money in the deal in the end, right? So by buying discounted properties, you have a lot of exit strategies. And I'm not typically one that likes to pivot, but sometimes you got to pivot. And even if you do have to pivot, you're typically still in, you know, going to be okay. You're going to be safe. When I first started, when I'd calculate a deal, I would look at it like, how much money can I make? And now I have a whole different approach. It's how bad can I screw this up and still break even and or make a profit? And if you get a good deal, you could screw it up 10 different ways and still make a profit. So buying deals was really, again, it was the main lesson that I learned there. I love it. Yeah. We call that stressing the deal. But I love how you just said, I just figure out how many ways I can screw it up before it doesn't make money. (laughs) That's stressing the deal. I love it. David, you have a fantastic podcast, the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I'm sure my audience is going to want to engage in that to learn many different strategies to find uh, and acquire discounted properties, both residential and commercial. Where else can our audience go to engage with you and learn more about you? Yeah, yeah. So the Burr Method, again, is my passion. That's where I like to spend the majority of my of my time these days when it comes to investing. We still do a couple fix and flips. We still do a couple wholesales, but typically the marketing and the efforts go into finding rental properties that we can buy and hold. And you know, as you and I both mentioned, I'm starting to scale up into more multis, small multis, but multis at that. So I love coaching, mentoring, and helping people 
with the Burr method specifically. So I have a I have a, a program. It's called Burr Method Mastery. That's Burr with four R's. MethodMastery.com. So BurrMethodMastery.com, where people can learn more about me. They can learn more about this amazing strategy. And if they want to book a call with you know myself or my team, they can do so there as well. Fantastic stuff, David. Guys, check it out. BurrMethodMastery.com. Love it. David, listen, thanks for carving out some time. I know you're super busy. You have a super successful podcast. So guys, check that out. Check out his program, book a call. And David, thanks again for carving out some time for us today on Accelerated Investor. Hey, Josh, thanks for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. And uh, hopefully I provided some value to the audience here today. You bet. You bet you did. Thanks so much. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one -on -one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com. 